he is a help. He's an advocate. Thank you, Lord. As we stand in the house of God before we open the word of the Lord today, let's pray for Sage Babcock and family failure kidney, 13 years of age. She's connected to Sister King, and so we want to continue to pray for her. We need to pray for Brother Daryl Allspaw, who's still trying to recover and uh, needs a touch of God. Amen. In Jesus' name, you may have a prayer request that you would like to join with these. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and praise you today in the house of God. We worship you and know that there is a power and a strength that comes when we approach you and seek you in the house of God, in the sanctuary. We know that you're a God that can be touched with the feeling of every infirmity, and we can pray outside of the sanctuary. Wherever we are, we can lift up our voice and magnify you. But today in the house of God, we want to call your name over individuals and needs and people, we ask God that healing and virtue and the touch of God will flow to them. We thank you. We ask these things in your great name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Has God been good to you? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, and we will read verse 16. We'll start with verse 16, one of my favorite passages of scripture. Brother Brett Grogan put together a piece of artwork for me and uh, he asked me, what are your favorite scriptures? Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, that's one of them. Uh, but Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 is one of my favorite passages of scripture and that's where we will start today uh, by reading that particular verse. My wife and I will be leaving from here after service, making our way to Yucaipa, California for a find and facilitate global missions offering. And so I would appreciate you praying for us in that endeavor. We'll be there tonight and tomorrow. The offering is tomorrow night at five o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Last year, it was interesting uh, for a number of years, the Worldwide Pentecostal Fellowship holds an annual meeting Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, and they take the offering in one of the service. It gets really long, really long, and uh, it's somewhat convoluted. Last year, because of the pandemic, we had to do it virtually. So we basically just kind of sat around a table and talked about missions and took up a virtual offering. We took up more money in the virtual offering than in the two-hour-long marathon offering that blew up the service. And so people were so excited about that, they said, could you please keep doing that so that when it is time to have mission service, we don't have to go through that long marathon. And so that's what we're doing. Amen. So pray for us. Amen. Praise God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I want to preach to you just for a few moments this morning on the terrible degradation of backsliding. The terrible degradation of backsliding. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We ask that you would speak to us in the house of God today. And that your word would be a fountain of strength and encouragement. I pray that you would touch every hearer, 
that is here in the house of God today. Give us clarity of mind and speech and help us to open our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everyone said amen. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. The terrible degradation of backsliding. I want to say from the very outset, I am very thankful to be baptized in Jesus' name. I'm thankful to have repented of my sins. Not merely a confession, but a repentance that does a 180 and goes a different direction. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for baptism in Jesus' name. Praise God, because that is the good news. I'm thankful to have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is a new birth experience that was normative for the early church. And I'm thankful that God found it in his mercy and his grace to offer to me the opportunity to be born again of the water and of the spirit. And I want to say to you today, if you have not been born of the water and of the spirit, you need to be born of the water and of the spirit because that is the good news. That's the gospel. I want to say that from the outset. Paul, as he's writing to this church in Rome, to all the saints that are in Rome, he lays out his theology. If there's any book that Paul writes in the New Testament, this is a book in which you can get a clear understanding of Paul's theology. So he starts by offering his introduction, talking about his calling, speaking to the church that is at Rome, talking about requests that have been made and how he endeavored to come to them and that he is a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. He said, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. I'm desiring to come there. But in the meantime, I am writing a letter to you, Paul. I'm writing a letter to you. Then he launches into his letter in verse 16 by saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen in the house of God here today, I want you to know I am not ashamed to be called a child of God. There's a lot of pressure in the world that tries to downplay who you are and would try to limit you in your testimony. I'm here to tell you today I am not ashamed to be living a godly life. I'm not ashamed to be born again. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not taking a tuck head. I'm not going around trying to hide. I'm lifting my head high, squaring my shoulders, walking through the world thankful for the mercy and grace of God that teaches us to deny ungodliness you don't have anything to be ashamed about but you got everything to be proud about because God saved you from your horrible condition and brought you to a place of safety in the house of God hallelujah I'm not ashamed of his goodness Praise God. My, we, we, we could go off on a tangent here this morning. I'm not ashamed of the grace of God. I'm not ashamed of the mercy of God that can save anybody, anybody. It doesn't matter how low you may feel. The mercy of God can come running to you and save you. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of the worship and the praise that I give to God. You can laugh at me if you want to, but I'll still be here in the house of God. 
God with my hands lifted and my voice raised because he's been too good to me. Somebody needs to clap your hands and say, God, I want to give you a physical manifestation that I am not ashamed. God, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. I'm ready to preach it. I'm ready to teach it. I'm ready to live it. And he said the reason why, there's a reason. He's just not saying something, but he said the reason why. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I want you to know that there are good social causes in the world. As a matter of fact, we just launched into a social cause and community work through T-Rockets and trying to help our local community and the families and the children that come into this place. They're worthy causes, and we need to be in the community doing a social work, but we can never forget that is not our first priority. That is secondary. It is not our first priority. We should be doing some things. We should be reaching out to the community in which we live, but that is secondary. The primary thing that we are here for is salvation, and I want you to know we're not here with the weak salvation. We're not here with the weak sauce. We're here with the good stuff, Brother Casey. It is power unto salvation. We preach salvation. You need to be saved. God needs to call you from where you are and bring you into a place of safety. And the only power that is going to do that is through the power of the preached word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died. He was buried, but he didn't stay in a tomb. He arose in resurrection power. And that same power is afforded to you to give you life. He said, this salvation, my, my, my. Turn to your neighbor and say, my, my, my. Woo. This salvation, said Paul, that he's ready to preach. He said, it is to the Jew first. I'm coming to the Jews first. They're chosen of God, but he said, it's also to the Greek. <laughs> it's going to go to the Jews, but it's also coming to the Gentiles. Because this gospel message is not an exclusive message. It is not for just one demographic, one type of people, one race. Hallelujah. It's not just to one gender. It is to everybody that opens their heart to receive that gospel. It is open to everybody. There are no barriers. There are no obstacles. There is nothing that stands in the way. Jesus tore down every barrier and every obstacle that gives every single one of us and their people in this place from all over the world. You're in this place today. You come from many different backgrounds and God is reaching to you and calling to you and this church should be a representation of that gospel. I don't want a white church. I don't want a black church. I don't want a Hispanic church. I want all of them in the church because it all makes us better as we worship God together. (laughs) 
Oh, I believe God's getting ready to give us a revival that's going to blow your mind. And we're going to be ready to receive it. Whoever comes in the door, you can be saved. Paul starts with that. I'm telling you, that is something to be excited about. And when you come to God and you are, the reason why new converts are so awesome is because they live for God with an intensity. They don't know everything. They, they don't know all the, they don't know all the scripture and then they may not know some of the house rules, but they, they're going to give you 110%. You know why? Because God has brought them a mighty, mighty long way. Now, here's what's interesting. Every single one of us enters in through that same door. And if we're not careful, we can be excited about the goodness of God and then it wane into a position where we lose our intensity and our fervor. Pastor, why don't you just sit there at your seat and, and, and just be a part of the service? Why do you have to get out in the front, in the middle, walk all over the place, and then act crazy sometimes? Because I refuse to let this power and this anointing be something that I, I become jaded with and, and sort of apathetic about. It's it's got to burn with an intensity in my heart and life because if that is not there, I'm going to veer off of, into backsliding. And I want you to know today as a testimony, I refuse to backslide. I am not going to let the world denigrate my walk with God, water down my intensity, remove my passion for the things of God. I'm going to give him everything I've got as long as I can. Come on, you need to reach way back where God brought you from and bring that up into the forefront of your mind and then say, this is what I want to be like every day of my life. On fire for God. Passionate about the things of God. Because if not, if not, there is a terrible degradation of backsliding, a degrading a degrading from what once was. What was it said to the churches of Asia? You need to get back to your first love. I know we go through stages in life, and it's fascinating to me because it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, you're going to run into some major obstacles. And we need to be very careful. Well, young people today, they need to this or that. Listen. You're going to hit middle age, and it's going to have a bunch of obstacles that are going to be just as tough as that young person sitting on a church pew that's dealing with a lot of stuff. And then when you think you got that controlled, you're going to hit another stage of life, and it's going to be just as tough. Praise God. You know what I love? I love, I love elders. They can't run, jump, shout, spin, cartwheels throw stuff around, but they still got, they still got a hand raised. They still got a hand wave. I may not be able to do what I once could do, but I'm, I'm still here and I'm still worshiping God in an intensity with the same power and the same passion and the same in intensity. Praise God. You're going to go through a lot of stages in life. Every single stage, you need to be on fire with God. I know there are ups and downs, but we need to make a determination 
determination that I'm going to be passionate about the things of God. I refuse to backslide into a world in which church is no longer powerful and no longer meaningful. I'm not degrading my experience. I'm upgrading my experience. I'm not going down. I'm going up because God is bringing me closer and closer to his goodness and his greatness. There's a degradation that can occur. There's a degrading of backsliding that can occur. And, and this is spelled out right here in the first chapter. Paul talks about this great gospel and this power. And then he gives to us point by point how a person backslides. You don't backslide overnight. People don't just say, well, I'm just not going to live for God. I'm, 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 I'm out. That, that's a continual. You don't, go, you, don't, you don't go from power and glory to turning away that fast. It takes some time. And there's some things that, that happen in that process. And Paul said the first thing that happens is in verse number 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest unto them for God hath showed it unto them. God has showed us his power and his ability. Verse 21, here is the degradation of backsliding because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. The first step in a degradation, a terrible degradation of backsliding is found here, the first step. There is no glory that's given to God and there's no thanksgiving. You better not be a miser with the glory that you give for God. You, you better not be stingy with the glory that you give God because when you start getting stingy with the glory that you give God, then you are on a terrible degradation and a path to backsliding. You got to make sure every time you enter into the sanctuary that you give God glory, that you give God praise. Hallelujah. In everything, give God thanks. I don't know how I even got here, but I thank God and I give him glory. I thank God for the talents that I have. I give him glory. It's not me. The business that I have, it's for God's glory. Hallelujah. It's all to the glory of God. The fact that I was able to get here with clothes on my back pulled up and had transportation and food on my table is because of God's glory and his goodness. And I'm thankful. I'm not stingy with it. But I want to give it to him, pour it out on him. God, I want to give you glory. Hallelujah. The minute you stop giving God glory and stop being thankful is the moment that you start backsliding. God, I want you to know today in the house of God that I am thankful. If I can't find big things to be thankful for, let me find little things. I'm thankful for the people of God. I'm thankful for the hand of God. I'm thankful for the house of God. I'm thankful for the goodness of God. I give you glory. Somebody clap your hands and give him glory for just a minute. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand to our feet and give him glory? Hallelujah. I applaud you, Lord. I give you a hand clap of appreciation. I recognize how powerful Calvary is and the work of the cross is. I give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. 
Praise God, praise God. I give God glory because I'm here. Some years ago, didn't know how long I would be here, but I'm thankful that I'm, st I'm still here. <laughs> There's a lot that we can be thankful for, and when you're thankful, you're not stingy with giving God glory and praise. I'm thankful for the breath that I breathe. Where'd that come from? Give God the glory. He breathed the breath of life into humanity. Thankful, thankful, thankful. That's the first step to the terrible degradation of backsliding. It's when they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. <clears throat> Fast on the heels of that is the next step. But became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. When you start giving God glory and being thankful, you start thinking you're something. And you become vain in your imagination. And vainness is directly connected to vanity. And so now, it's all about who you are and what you're doing. And your heart becomes darkened. Because the glory that should be given to God, which is the light that shines into the world and removes all of the darkness, he's the light that comes into the world. You obscure the light because of your own image, and then darkness starts to enter in because it's all about you, baby. It's all about you. I'm here to tell you it's not about me. It's about him. And the moment you start professing God's glory and goodness and being thankful becomes the moment that it becomes about you and vanity and your vain imaginations. And then your the, the scripture said your foolish heart becomes darkened. And all of a sudden you're not seeing the light of God's goodness. You're looking through another lens and it's through your own lens. I want you to know today, and I, I want to go on record here in the house of God. I enjoy being apostolic. As a matter of fact, I am 100% apostolic, and I enjoy living the life that I am living because I want to give God glory. It's not about me. It's not about me and my vanity and my vain imaginations. I go right on by that billboard on, on Golden State Highway that says it's all fun and games until the first wrinkle. They're advertising for Botox. They're working against people's vanity. I pass on right on by that and say, if you only had the Holy Ghost, you wouldn't be worrying about the wrinkles because the power on the inside of you is going to illuminate on the outside of you, and you're not going to need any kind of Botox, plastic surgery, and anything else to try to attract attention to your own self. Hallelujah. I want to point the way to Jesus. I'm 52. I don't need to be acting like 16 years of age. I need to be walking down the mall and people know you're the dad and, and he's the son. You need to be walking down the mall knowing that you're the mom and that's the daughter. Not a confusion and a competition because vanity is entered into the picture and 70 year old people look like and try to imitate somebody that's 20 and every 
everybody knows that's ridiculous. I'm thankful for the, my lips are not so puffed out. It looks like I've been sucking on a sucker fish. That's not what God intends. He wants us to be holy. He wants us to be godly. It's not about me, but it's about his power. And it's about his goodness. And about his greatness. The minute... The minute you stop giving God glory and you're, you're no longer thankful, you become vain in your imagination. This is, dang, this is a dangerous, dangerous step. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Pride goeth before destruction. God hates a proud Look, you be better, 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 better. You better be very, very careful. Whatever you're doing doesn't become something that is all about you because you will get morphed into self-centered, uh, an image and self-centeredism, if you will, to where everything becomes about you. Praise God. This church was not built on you. It wasn't built on me. It was built on the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would rather be in the church and in the house of God and not be popular and be saved than to be popular and lose my soul. I'd rather be talented in the house of God than the rest of the world to not even know my name and know that God knows who I am. He knows my abilities and my talents and he recognizes that that's the only accolades that I need a couple of years ago we went to a we went to a studio in a home and we were doing a project and hired in some people we hired in a drummer his name was Johnny Friday and he came in and he started playing with Brother McAllister. And he said to everybody that was there, all the musicians, where has this guy been? He was amazed at the talent and the ability. Not many people may know the name of Mark McAllister. But I'm thankful in this house we know and God knows because everything that he does is for the glory of God. It's not about the accolades of Hollywood, the music industry, or anybody else. What matters is, does God know that your talents and abilities are being used for God? That's what's important. Don't get off track. Give God praise. Everything that you do, let it be for the glory of God. Vanity creeped in, crept in, and the heart became dark. This is the terrible degradation of backsliding. No glory, no thankfulness, vanity, and a darkened heart. Well, then you can imagine what happens next. In verse 22, chapter 1, Paul said, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. We live in a society and a culture right now when the smart people, are not coming off as very smart. God hath chosen, chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. 
And in our culture presently, there are those that profess themselves to be wise. And the scripture said in this terrible degradation of backsliding, instead of becoming wise, you become foolish. All of a sudden, the truth is not the truth. Isaiah said truth has fallen in the streets. This is a world that we're living in. Truth has fallen in the streets when when right is wrong and wrong is right. Wrong is glorified and right is vilified and looked down on and sneered at and, and called racist and, 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 and all other hate uh, speech is coming from the Bible and, 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 and biblical understanding of what male and female, biblical identity is something that they look very narrowly at and they're coming up with all kinds of philosophies and ideologies and all this kind of stuff that is absolutely an effort to dismantle the traditional family. And in the process of dismantling the traditional family is wiping out the identity that God has imprinted upon humanity instinctively, professing themselves to be wise. They become fools. I want to be kind-hearted, but I want to have some conviction. I believe in the Scripture, and I believe the Scripture is the direction that we should be going because it is wisdom that comes from God. When I start producing my own wisdom, I become a fool. But when the wisdom of God comes to me through the empowerment of the Holy Ghost, I'm able to make decisions. I have wise counsel because God is at work in my life. You should be thankful for the Holy Ghost in the world that you're living in because you're going to need it to make some very difficult decisions. People are going to try to persuade you to do stuff against your convictions, professing themselves to be wise. And they're not wise, but they're fools. you got to hang on with some tenacity and say, I am operating from a different set of principles and wisdom. I'm walking to a different beat of a drum. I'm walking to the beat of God who manifested himself in the flesh, revealed his power and ability put it in my heart and life and gave me the ability to walk under the influence of the spirit of truth. False wisdom. No glory, no thanks. Vanity. A heart that's darkened. False wisdom. Well, you can imagine what happens next. Because when all those things are at play, verse 23, and they change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. What comes on the heels of no glory and no thanksgiving in vanity and a darkened heart and false wisdom is idolatry. They set up an image and they worship an image. In this case, they worshiped an image made like to man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. The Old Testament is replete with a constant struggle and battle between Jehovah 
and the children of Israel seeking and being tempted by the idolatry of the nations around them. The false gods, the false worship, the false idols, the groves, the, the images of all the representations. And then if it's not that, that it is all the, it's the sun and the moon and the stars and astrology. And there's this constant struggle between the people of God and being tempted by that and following the one true living God. I want to be on the side of the one true living God. Amen. I know that an idol is nothing. It is a worthless thing. The prophet said it's a piece of wood that is worthless, that cannot speak, cannot hear, cannot respond. It's an idol. It's an image. Our world is so full of imagery and idols. Our, our cultural context of social media and influencers and people passing themselves off as idols. Sports figures, movie stars, politicians become idol figures that have an influence on the masses. I'm thankful to be in the house of God that I'm not influenced by the idolatry of the world, but I am influenced by the power of the Almighty. I'm looking for Jehovah. I'm not looking for Baal. I'm looking for the King of Kings. I'm not looking for Asherah. I'm not looking for trees and images and figurines. I'm looking for a move of the Holy Ghost. I'm looking for a power of God's anointing that can shake a building, that can move in like a fog, that can shake things up, which individuals can open their hearts and be strengthened and walk away no longer with a darkened mentality and a darker heart, but they can walk around with some light coming in and the Holy Ghost operating and working. I'm not looking to the idolatry of the world, but I'm looking for the one that saved me, gave his life for me, shed his blood for me that is still effective and efficacious. Can I get a witness in this place today? You may feel the influence of the world that is around you, but I'm preaching. I'm preaching some strength into your spirit. You need to say in Jesus' name, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I recognize my power and my ability is not coming from gold and silver and things that were created and fashioned by man, but I'm operating on the one that fashioned and created every living thing, the earth. I'm not worshiping the creation. I'm worshiping the creator. As the musicians come this morning, the terrible degradation of backsliding. No glory, no thanks. Vanity, a heart that is darkened. False wisdom. It becomes idolatry. And Paul said, because of that terrible degradation of backsliding. Now, some of you are thinking that I'm coming here and I'm shooting at people that I feel like are backsliding. But I'm, I'm really, I'm speaking to all of us because 
Every service we come to the house of God is an attempt not to backslide. See, if you come to the house of God and think I'm not going to backslide and you think that's somewhere in the future, then, then you're in a precarious place because backsliding can happen at any moment. Every, every time I come into the sanctuary is an effort not to backslide. This is why I worship the way that I worship. Because I refuse to backslide. You know, sometimes Brother Kaufman, I come and I don't feel like worshiping. I really don't. I'll be honest with you. I just don't. I'm just not feeling it. But you know what? I'm going to worship anyway because it's not about my feelings. It's about how great God is. And I know this, that if I stand there and I don't give God everything, it may be the service that somebody's here that needs what God has for them. And because I've neglected and my duty, and I've been derelict in my duty, that I'm going to be judged because of that. No, I'm not going to backslide. I'm going to be in the house of God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be in pre-service prayer. I'm going to worship God with everything I've got. I'm going to box out C.J. Casey when he tries to get closer to the stage. You don't know what boxing out means in basketball. It means when the shot goes up, and it might be bouncing around. It may go in and it may not. But if it's bouncing around, you have, you, you can develop a skill set that you box out. You use your body to say you're not getting the rebound because I'm going to get the rebound. So when he tries to get in here, I'm going to box him out. I'm going to box him out. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to worship God. I'm, I'm, I'm going to preach with the preacher. If, if, if there's something I like, I'm going to say amen. Because if I sit over there and say nothing, you know what people are going to think? pastor really wasn't what the preacher was. He didn't say a thing. If somebody is up here in this pulpit and they're trying to preach their way out of a paper sack, I'm still going to say amen or I can hang an amen on it. Every service is a declaration that I'm not backsliding. When it's altar call time, I'm, I'm going to be looking for people to pray with. You would be amazed at who comes into our services. Sometimes, sometimes we don't even know who's here. There was a guy that came, and he was in service with us. He was from Belize. He's high up in the government, and he operates some ministry, uh, ministerial alliance that he's part of the actual parliament and cabinet of Belize. And he's apostolic, but in Belize, their government's very interesting. They have different factions, and so one faction to represent all religious groups, including apostolics, he's, he's the head guy, and, and he was out here on vacation. He stopped in. He said, I had to make it to church. And I made it to church. He said, powerful service. Had an opportunity to talk to him in the cafe a little bit. You don't, you don't, you don't know who's, who's here. And I don't think it's a good idea to look around and try to figure out who's here. I think what's good is we just, we make God so big and God breaks out. And, and people just, they, they, feel a, they feel a drawing of God's anointing and his ability and it draws them in and they feel the anointing of God because ultimately it's not about us but it's all—it's about all of us creating that atmosphere where the Holy Ghost can move 
every service I am, I'm not backsliding. It's a terrible degradation of backsliding that Paul lays out here. And then in conclusion, the whole chapter, he, he talks about it, but the last verse I want to give you is verse number 24, which is this. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Man, then, then he goes, the rest of that chapter is just a, it is a pathway to perversion. It's unrighteousness. It is without natural affection. It is, it is fornication. It's unrighteousness. It's wickedness. It is covetousness. It's full of envy. It's murder, debate, deceit, malignity. It's proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. It is a pathway that goes straight down into the abyss. And instead of that gospel and the mercy of God and the power, now I'm wandering into a vortex of perversion. Ladies and gentlemen, we can't backslide. We can't end up we can't end up where God gives us over to what we want. You know, sometimes God will stand in the way. David said, my foot almost slipped because I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And I looked around me and I saw everybody doing very well and and I looked at my own situation, and I thought to myself, this is not fair. Until I entered into the sanctuary, then I realized therein. You know what's standing there holding some things back? The mercy of God. The mercy of God keeps us. Is, is, it, is it possible to preach and not be right with God and God move? Absolutely. Absolutely. If one is not careful, you can get up and move the masses and people feel the anointing and power of God. But you're not really where you need to be. And you know it. And when you walk away from there, you better understand and know that was the mercy of God. Because I know I'm not really where I need to be. God will let you. He'll run the string out a little bit for you. And you can get by with that for a little bit of time. But there is judgment coming. I'll tell you right now. You can't play games with God. At some point, at some point, he's going to give you what you really desire. And instead of mercy blockading and obstructing and standing in the way, God finally says, you're a person of free moral choice. You can make your own choices. And I've tried and tried and tried, but the judgment of God comes, and when it comes, he steps back and he leaves you to your own devices. And when you're left to your own devices, there is no telling where you're going to go. There's no telling what you will become. And there's no telling what depths of perversion you're going to involve yourself in. to all of us here this morning. Let's make an attempt and an effort every service. I'm not backsliding, but I'm living for God. As we stand together in the house of God and the, the singers come this morning, praise God. I'm not, I'm not looking for the person that I think has grown cold and indifferent. I'm looking at every single child of God in this place. You know why? Because God loves you and wants you to be passionate about the things of God. 
and it would be a terrible thing, terrible thing for any of you that are in this house to backslide and to lose your intensity and fervor with God. It doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 80 years of age and you could backslide. You can't backslide. You can't walk away from God. There's got to be an intensity in your heart and life and a passion for the things of God. And it means every single one of us in this place today. Praise God with uplifted hands. In conclusion, in the house of God today. Praise God. Come on, why don't, why don't we step out of the pew where we are and make our way to the well? And why don't, in conclusion today, say, God. Praise God. I just want you to know today, Lord, I'm, 